Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Dune Pod, your one-stop shop to get ready for the new Dune movie. This week, I'm joined as always by my co-host Jason. Wow. 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 And by the host of the 70 millimeter podcast, Slim. Chalamet's like, hey, uh, where'd you meet that assassin? Uh, uh, uh. Like, he couldn't have had any less skill at lying in any moment than right there. We discuss Timothy Chalamet's perfect warm up for his performance in Dune, 2019's The King. We discuss the ups and downs of home theater configuration, historical fact versus fiction, and whether the movie Heat is wildly overrated. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Be cool like friend of the show, Bryas Nias, and leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, as it really helps new listeners find the show. And now, without further ado, The King. So give us the latest update on the on the 4K situation over there. Is this the show or is this pre-show? Who knows? <laughs> I got I got to yeah. ask. <laughs> you never know like if it's recorded it, it could be on the tape so The uh the 4K business is happening. I finally made the move. Got that stimulus check in the mail. Mhm. I think it was a stimulus check. I can't remember if that's what I used to pay for it. But I did clear it with my my dear wife first. <laughs> How how to go? You That's had no sure. purchases, no other purchases for the rest of the month. Was that no? That? I was banned. We had like a handshake agreement that she said if this was going to happen, you're you're officially banned from January purchases, and we had to do a handshake wow. on it. She didn't think I could do it, wow. but so far so good. Wait, what did you get though? I got a TCL Roku TV Series Five QLED, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, 55, 50 inch Dolby Vision, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos. So previously, this is actually not even a family room TV. It just went in my office <laughs> for for movie watching and video games. Yeah. Um, so this is yeah, this is my first uh big upgrade. Mm. Had a 1080p, obviously, like a 40 inch in here. So and he went straight. He went straight to the source, Jason. I don't know if it was his very first 4K film or his second was Blade Runner 2049. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I went into the. I went into the first Blade Runner, then the sequel. The first movie I watched was 1917. Oh yeah, and it was. Uh, I've, I still never oh, seen my that. Goodness so gracious, good. It was legit. Yeah. Actually, even the sound is like really good. Like I didn't know anything about Dolby before I even bought it. I think I just kind of lucked out that like all that stuff was. Uh, included like Dolby capable. Mm-hmm. Um, sound is great. I was like, do I need to get a sound bar? And I was like, even the built-in TV speakers are better than the built-in ones that I previously had. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this raises the interesting question of you know, there's been all this discussion about theater versus you know, home and streaming releases, and to the extent that people are getting 4K TVs at home, everybody's got widescreen. Like, it just seems like it's. Mm less of an issue in terms of like the experience of watching a film at home. Yeah. I still think that any director that says they prefer the theater is a big baby. Get out of my face. <laughs> yeah, you can get, you can get a 4k agree. TV for like $300 and it's going to be better than most, <laughs> most theaters experience. They just want their money. They just want their theater money. <laughs> yeah. they, they don't know. They don't know anything. I mean, I like going to theaters too, but get over yourself. Yeah. Get over yourself. Don't be so precious. <laughs> Have you seen this thread? I think it's Todd yeah. Vizieri's. Yeah, it's Todd Vizieri's doing this thread of like watching Tenant as it was intended. And people are like, you know, like it started with someone like watching right. it on their phone. Uh, and then like the the latest one I saw in the thread was like watching Tenant as it was intended. And it was a like one, it was like a one inch screen in a smart toilet. 
Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> that someone had like hacked a play. Does it have Atmos they though? Could, or Inception, they or could probably hear the audio better on that one inch screen than they could in the actual theater. That's right. Well, there's good, good acoustics in the bathroom too. <laughs> that you know? is right. <laughs> the Dolby Vision stuff, like, well, first of all, I think the actual, the idea of UHD 4K Dolby is kind of confusing. Can we just ask Jason, what is that? What is Dolby Vision? Please tell us, Jason. Well, I don't know. I don't see, <laughs> exactly. Like, the, like we're probably like pretty tech adept people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have no clue what that stuff is. And there's no... I lost the thread a long time ago. <laughs> the people like listening to this are probably like, stuff. I don't even know what that is. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so we, I ran into this when I was watching The King because Matt hit me up and was like, is this in 4K on Netflix? And I said, no, because when you find it, it says Dolby Vision. And Dolby Vision is like Dolby's version of HDR. Uh, of like, okay. you know, pop, make the colors pop and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So Netflix, it just says like the king, Dolby Vision. Mm. It doesn't say like 4K. You're trained to look for it now. You're like, give me that. Me yeah, I'm looking for the badge and stuff. Like, oh, what's in 4K? And they have like a list of 4K content mm-hmm. and it's in the list, but it doesn't have the badge. So I hit up Netflix support to like ask, what, you know, why is the badge not there? And they view Dolby Vision as the highest form of 4K content you can get. So it doesn't even say 4K. Okay. It's like they're assuming that like you know that this is 4K. And I had no idea. And I'm pretty smart. Because uh, like every other service will say like 4K, HDR, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos. Mm. And that's like their audio portion. So I don't know. The whole thing is just very interesting and kind of confusing. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand how anyone figures this stuff out. They just like fall into you it. You discovered that you have to have a 4K TV and you have to be using a 4K platform like Roku or Chromecast or Apple right. TV. And the app that you're using has to be using 4K. Right. And they all have to be yeah. configured to be using 4K for yeah. any of this shit to work. I have a Google TV with Chromecast that I prefer to use. Mm. And I fired up the Disney app and it said 4K HDR. So, okay, it's got, you know, you know the, the colors are going to pop on that. And then I fired it up on Roku and the same app, Disney app, it says 4K Dolby Vision. So it's like, depending on what app you're mm. using, what app platform, you're going to get a different experience, and, which is just kind of a mess. Jason, what do we do? I don't know, man. My thing is like, I watch, <laughs> I mean, I watch like the King uh, during the day because that was like the window I had available it was like during mm. a nap or whatever and um, like so it's bright and so like it's like hard to see the screen because it's like we have lots of fucking windows and like you know we don't have like a blackout room like we, so I'm like I don't know it doesn't matter what it's in I'd be better off watching it on my phone on like a dark room I watch things on my phone now I was watching Avengers Endgame on my phone while like Oof. holding the baby I was like, this is great you've really arrived I'm glad I can watch that, is that the Beautiful. difference between one and two kids yeah, there's just like no, there's just like no, there's no windows really right now. So yeah, there's like, you know, it's like there's the, cause the one kid, the the infant is only two months old. And so she's, you know, never, she's never really like, you know, out. She's never really asleep and she's never really apart from you. Right. I mean, she can't, she cannot independently operate mm-hmm. in any mode. Uh, and then the toddler uh, has one nap. And so you got that, but then otherwise he's just, you know, a, a Tasmanian devil. So yeah, I don't know. That's what we got. Well, that's wild. That is wild. These, these crazy modern lives that we live. Yeah. I do want to say welcome back to the podcast. Slim. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here to talk 4K Ultra Vision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just gonna be it's just gonna be an hour yeah. and a half of like how does o, how does OLED even work? <laughs> yeah. So last time we saw you, Slim, was we talked about uh, Denny Villeneuve's enemy, Jake Gyllenhaal, last year, mm. which was a great discussion. Uh, but we're happy to have you back. And tonight, as you referenced, we will be talking about the 4K Dolby Vision, The King, on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. So this is the story of Henry V, um, and it is starring Timothy Chalamet, our Paul Atreides, and our Pats uh, putting in a performance, question mark? <laughs> He's putting in something. We'll get into it. Next week on Dune Pod, we have the triumphant return of Catcher. Oh, thank God. His first season three appearance. <laughs> and uh, he's going to be back for Denny's very first feature film, Polytechnique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, I've never even heard of that. I've never seen it. I've heard about it. It's about, it's, it's apparently very intense and Catcher's claim to fame was when he watched it 10 years ago, he was like, this guy is going to be something. Uh, so he is the first Canadian to discover. Does he have that documented anywhere? We're just it's taking a, him at his word in, at that in point. The, in, in the cocoa, he's got it up there. So, <laughs> uh, But Polytechnique is currently available streaming on Prime Video. Great. And it's also available on Tubi with ads. Um, and it's available for rental. It is not available in 4K anywhere. Mm. Yeah, so. Bummer. <laughs> but I don't need to like get it from like some like French... DVD salesperson like I did for, <laughs> for, Dune. for Dune. Yes, right? the Dune miniseries. No, you should be above board. Uh, so coming soon to a phone screen near Jason, Polytechnique next week. <laughs> That's great. Great. All right, well, let's get into Dune news. Would you like to know more? HBO Max debuted their new streaming trailer today. Uh, and so this was basically them mm. trumpeting all of the stuff that they are going to be launching in 2021 and the fact that it's going to be streaming the same day. <laughs> I just, I just love though that they put like the Tom and Jerry movie up against you know, like a Keanu Reeves movie or whatever else was in there. I don't, I only remember Dune was in there and the King Kong thing, and then it was like, and Tom yeah. and Jerry have a movie. I'm like, okay, great. I mean, the graphics look pretty good in that Tom and Jerry, like you know, high res animated computer graphics. I mean, it's a cartoon. But... <laughs> it's a cartoon. <laughs> Well, I think for me, the notable thing was that the very first shot and the first like eight seconds of the trailer, maybe it was four seconds of the trailer, was Dune. Great shot of Paul and, mm-hmm. and the Thopters and stuff. So the fact that it's even in there and that it's being used to promote streaming indicates that they are probably making progress with Legendary unlocking down a deal to get everything all set. So um, I think Dune yeah. 2 should be greenlit any day now. Great. You think Great. that's going to be it's, the contingent? He wants to get approval for Dune too. That is my prediction. They're all going to get paid. They got they <laughs> they got they figure out their King Kong business. That's right. And that's getting in there. They're all getting paid and happy now. I'm very surprised about the the audience for these King Kong Godzilla movies. Like don't, like or you know I guess anywhere, but like you know particularly like Kevin Durant tweeted about the uh, King Kong yeah. Godzilla movie. I'm just like wow. People are hyped. Slim, that trailer, Godzilla versus King Kong, that tore through our Discord. I loved it. Yeah. Like, oh, people loved it. All right. I loved it. I was getting worried. Are you a are you a are you a fan of the King Kong Godzilla mythos? I am, yeah. My son grew up for some reason with a desire to watch the movies. I guess the he we got him a Godzilla, you know, figure when he was young. So we actually watched a lot of the old DVDs for a while. He's since grown out of it, but yeah, I think we went to see King of the Monsters in theaters together. Mm. Um, 
I love Shin Godzilla. I, I took him to see that, even though it was in Japanese. Mm. Had subtitles. <laughs> um, into Philadelphia, and we love the universe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. It's like an all ages. It's probably the biggest all ages action. You know, non Marvel. Mm. IP, I guess you can come up with now. Mm-hmm. I didn't love either of the most recent Godzilla movies. The Kong one was fun. Yeah. Uh, gorgeous to look at too. I'm going to watch that soon. I, I really, I definitely have a hankering. I watched the first one and I thought it was okay. Um, and I am wanting to watch the other ones to get kind of caught up. Yeah, like Legend- Legendary's ownership of the the license for those movies is a bit dubious in my opinion. Like I'm anxious mm. for, I think after this this one or the next one, it's going back to Toho. Oh, wow. So they can kind of continue mm, to produce okay. mainstream films. Because the Shin Godzilla one, if you haven't seen that, track that down mm. immediately. That movie is uh, near perfection. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. And nobody really talks about it. But 70 um, Millimeter talked about it on a uh, villager patron mm, only exclusive episode. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Danny, uh, hosting the show, loved. Godzilla King of Monsters and like drug me because I didn't love it. <laughs> and then after he watched Shin Godzilla, he like literally apologized to me. He's like, if I had seen Shin Godzilla before the most recent American legendary version, I would not have rated it so highly. Yeah, minus a star minimum. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, that's the HBO Max trailer. The second piece of news is that uh, we had the announcement yesterday of Dune House of Secrets, the adventure game. Oh, yeah. So this is from Portal Games, uh, which is a Polish game studio, and they're the makers of the board game Detective, um, which is kind of like a collaborative... Um, game where you're figuring out uh, story pieces and you have cards and physical elements and then a lot of it is storytelling. So they're going to do a three-part adventure starting with House of Secrets and it's going to be set within the context of Dune on Arrakis and you'll sort of be like behind the scenes is how I understand it. Um, And apparently this detective game is really great. uh, So excited about that. Great. Have you played Dune Imperium, the solo game yet? Jason, you're not going to like... I have it. I have it. I have it under my bed. Uh, it looks nice. <laughs> it's like too many pieces to even. I'm like a child right. or a dog is just going to eat all of those if I take it out of the box. Right. So that's fair. In ten ten years, maybe maybe later this year, sneak out for a sneak yeah, out for later game. this year. All right. So then the last piece of Dune news um, we had for the Prisoners episode last season, we had Rob Schroeder uh, who was phenomenal with his insights on Roger Deakins and everything that he was doing. Um, in addition to being a director producer, he does the Emmy-winning television show Actors on Actors. Um, and this season, he has Zendaya and Carrie Mulligan. Uh, so this just dropped, I think, yesterday. And it was pretty awesome. It was them talking about Euphoria, talking about Carrie Mulligan's new movie, Promising Young Woman. Mm. Have you seen that, Slim? No, I was actually next on my list after I saw... Uh, Pieces of a Woman. Mm. I did watch that and love that. Nice. Um, so Promising Young Men was going to be next on my list, but I haven't seen it yet. Is that streaming somewhere? Mm. Uh, that is a good question. I'm not sure. I haven't gotten too far into to see where it's appearing. Right, we'll get the intern on it, but it, it looks pretty awesome. Like the, it is, uh, it, It's supposed to be very intense and funny and, uh, and, and a good thing. And then they also talked about Malcolm and Marie, which was the Sam Levinson movie with John David Washington from Tenet and Zendaya, which looks good. So we'll have links to all of those things in the show notes. All right. Any other business or do you guys want to get down to it? Let's get into it. I'm ready. All right. Here we go. The king is 
a tale of one special boy with the weight of destiny thrust upon his shoulders and his quest for peace and order in the kingdom. Hal is ripped from a riotous youth of drunken reveries with his friends in East Cheap when his father, King Henry IV, dies, leaving him the throne of England. Mm. Ascended to power, Hal desires nothing more than to restore peace and mend the wounds of strife that his father created. Instead, he is provoked and maneuvered into an invasion and all-out war with France, where he is tested and ultimately accepted by his own troops. By mastering his own fears and daring to risk everything with his friends on the field of combat, Hal will come into his full power as Henry V and emerge as one of the most powerful rulers the world has ever known. The King. That's great. I'm glad you got that East Cheap shout out in there. That was a critical detail. It's pretty good. Movie. I just took the Dune. I just took the Dune synopsis from two weeks ago and basically had to like change like three things. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> when Timothy first is on screen, it's like I think it, I think the second part of the film that they shot was the beginning of the movie because he literally looks exactly the way he looks on Dune. Mm. The hair is all grown mm, out. Yeah, and- he's like in a bed, just kind of limp. <laughs> yeah, limp hair. <laughs> Yeah. Dune-ish <laughs> what was what yeah. was your all's sort of awareness, uh, if any, of this film when it came out in 2019? I had known that he was in a movie called The King, but I had not done extensive. Like I still haven't even seen Call Me by Your Name, so my backlog of Timothy Chalamet movies um, isn't so large. I, although I have seen um, Little Woman. Wasn't was it Lady? Is he in Lady yeah. Bird? Mm-hmm. Lady Bird and Little Women. And um, we all remember Jason's horrifying thoughts on Little Women in a previous episode. We won't get into it. It's not worth revisiting. Um, so I actually didn't even know really the setting. I just know it was like a period piece film mm-hmm. and maybe Robert Pattinson was in it. So I went in like totally blind. I didn't look at any Wikipedia. I didn't look at any trailer. Um, so that was my that was my history with it. Nice. Jason? Yeah, I mean, I was aware. I was aware there was a movie called The King that was about it was you know a take on the Henry the Fourth Henry the Fifth plays, uh, and not done in Shakespearean mm-hmm. prose. And I knew, and I remember the. I never saw the movie, but I remember the movie get memed because of his haircut and because of Robert Pattinson in it. Uh, and that's as like as much as I. And I, I, my impression was that the movie was like not very good, um, which I guess is like why I ended up. Like maybe it contributed to me actually really enjoying this movie because uh, my expectations were pretty low nice. going into it. I had a I had a very vague sense of this movie. Um, I don't think I was very aware of Timothy Chalamet in 2019 um, when this came out. I didn't realize he'd been cast in Dune. I don't think I even knew that Dune was coming, which is weird to think, but for some reason that seems true. But this felt to me like one of the first big movies that Netflix did, right? They they did Bright. Maybe Bright was the first yeah, big was thing that, that they too, did yeah. where they actually had a theatrical mm. film that was released only on Netflix or almost exclusively on Netflix. So I had some awareness of it from that mm. perspective, but it was never a priority to watch until just now. So um, same thing. I sort of came in, ended up being quite pre- pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. So in terms of cast and crew, we have David Michaud, who directed The Rover and Animal Kingdom. And there's a whole Aussie crew is the, the kind of key of the, the production of this film. I never saw The Rover is supposed to be incredible. That's Guy Pierce and Robert Pattinson, 2014, mm-hmm. uh, post-apocalyptic um, Australian film. Joel Edgerton uh, is the co-writer. He was Falstaff, yeah. John Falstaff. So 
I know he's in Animal Kingdom, which I never saw, and I feel like he's been, I like looked at his IMDb, and he's been in like a million movies. I've never seen this guy in anything, but everybody talks mm. about him. Do you guys have any awareness of this guy? Joel Edgerton? Yeah. He was prequel Uncle Owen. Oh. He was Uncle Owen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously yeah. most notable. I have, I've seen him in, uh, I'm kind of, I'm sorting his, uh, letterbox list i've seen him in it comes at night and midnight special oh yeah i really loved him in it It comes at night did you like midnight special michael shannon yeah that's a lot of fun Mm. also you mentioned bright but he was the alien in bright oh really yeah Yeah. i haven't seen bright i need to see that he's yeah but he's he's in he's in a bunch of stuff and he produced this as well he he wrote and produced and uh and starred in which was pretty cool and brad pitt also uh producing this one the other one I'll call out, other uh, crew member, Fiona Crombie, another Australian, did the production design, capital B, capital D. Um, she did the favorite, Macbeth, which I haven't seen but want to see. And then Mary Magdalene. Yeah, I want to see that. Which has um, um, Joker as uh, <laughs> Joker as Jesus, um, but was shot by Dune DP Greg Fraser. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. So we're adding that to the list. All right, great. Uh, I just saw another Joel movie called The Gift from 2015. Jason Bateman is in it. Oh, Rebecca yeah. Rebecca Hall. That is a very unsettling Oh, he's movie. in Red Sparrow. Oh, he was that. like the lead in Red Sparrow. Didn't see it. That was like the, um, you know, the, that lead. It was the Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence, Lawrence Black yeah. Widow movie. Yeah, yeah Jennifer Lawrence mm. Russian spy movie. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Black Widow, right. Exactly. All right, well, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into The King. Um, so... For me, right out of the gate, this opening battlefield shot, I was like, holy shit, this is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the sun and um, the, the scope of it, that was really, really amazing. I, I like It kind of rings with my overall thoughts, but visually this movie is very well photographed. Like mm-hmm. the, It felt like this could easily be kind of like a magazine shoot. Almost, mm, mm. or like there's just so many still moments that look like it would have been just an amazing uh, Annie Leibovitz book or something. Mm, like mm. so many close-up shots of every character, side profile shots you don't often see. But mm. yeah, right from the get-go, I'm like, okay, it's pretty. Const- we, got, we got something. Cooking it's pretty here. constrained though, too, right? Like, I mean, like yes, it's a battle, and there's other battles in the movie, but like it's all like um, it's not like 1917. Like it's all like it all feels a little close, and like you know you don't see like that much of it. Um, it's, it feels like intimate. That opening shot is like the aftermath, right? The right. battle's all done. They're yeah. just sort of walking through the, the desolation of it, which was very intense. But there's like an aspect of the whole movie that like feels like uh, like both the way the performances and the way it's shot uh, that's like understated. That's just kind of like chill. That's just like kind of like, you know, just like, okay, it's going to be a little soft. It's going to be a little quiet. It's like, you know, it's a for like a uh, an epic war movie, it has almost more of like a. You know, it's almost like a Terrence Malick Hundred Years War movie. That, it's very like, intimate. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's almost. It's very like obviously. Very, I guess you could say very play like mm-hmm. too with some of the sets. Mm-hmm. Like very stripped down. Totally. There's not a lot going mm-hmm. on around everything. You know, it almost looks kind of like not low budget. It's like low budget, but like it looks expensive. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. There's not. It looks nice. It just really looks nice instead yeah. of like dirty, grimy, and old. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought the outdoor stuff, especially, was really beautiful uh, to me. I, I definitely appreciated that. So we go from there to we go to Henry the Fourth, and this is played by Ben Mendelsohn, the King. Has just a just a small role, but he is so great in this. It's great in everything. I loved how he was. You know. You get these these flares of maybe he is crazy, 
But then, no, he's holding back and he knows what the hell is going on. He's just a weirdo and, and is kind of an asshole. Ben Mendelsohn, put him in everything. I'm still like a noob for Ben Mendelsohn movies. Like, I think everyone kind of just knows him as like- Rogue One. The, like, he's, who's the guy who was the villain in, um, who became the kind of eccentric, almost German villain for a while? Uh, Django Unchained, he was- Oh yeah, Chris, Christoph Waltz. Chris, yeah, he's like slowly veering into Waltz territory a little bit. Mm. <laughs> so like when I see him not in a bad guy role, it's pretty welcoming yeah. or like not as a psychopathic bad yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I need to watch more of his movies outside of like the mainstream. A great one that we've talked about before on this podcast is this movie Mississippi Grind, which is one of the weirdest fucking movies. Oh yeah. Um Mississippi Grind 2015, Ben Mendelsohn is the star, co-starring uh um Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds, yeah. Um wow. and it's a road gambling like two degenerate gamblers go on the road. It's basically a remake of this old oh, Altman man. movie California Split. It's not a remake, but it's it's essentially like the same spirit. Um, anyway, it's, it's a really great movie. It's better than California split in my opinion. And, uh, Mendelssohn just fucking blows the doors off the place in it. He's great. He's really great. Mm. Mm. I had it to my watch list. Yeah. Awesome. So then we cut from there to, uh, to Hal and Falstaff and they're just partying hard. Um, Hal looks like shit. He's totally gaunt. They're having a good time. He's passed out. He can barely kind of get up. Um, and he gets called home because Henry the fourth is dying and it takes two turns to get him to finally come back. Um, and in the end he does. And this is where, um, King Henry the fourth, basically as he comes in says, Hey, by the way, I'm just passing over. I'm dying. Um, and I'm not giving you the throne. I'm giving it to your little brother, Thomas. Yeah. Thomas, of course, played by Dean Charles Chapman from 1917. Well, more importantly played by Dean Charles Chapman from, Game of Thrones, where he played. I didn't even know that until I looked at his his wiki. Who did he play? He played Tom and Baratheon, first of his name, oh. King of the Andals <laughs> and the First Men, jumper off of ledges, <laughs> owner of the cat Sir Pounce, who also disappeared mysteriously from King's Landing, never to be seen again. Oh. Yeah, this guy. This guy's amazing. Yeah, the first I'd ever seen of him was 1917. I never mm. went deep into Game of Thrones, and and then I saw him in this. I was like, oh, sweet, this guy. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at his wiki, and I was like, oh, geez, I guess a lot of people know who this guy is. It took me a minute. I was like, I was like, I know this guy, and I cannot figure out where. And then when I saw 1917, I was like, holy mm-hmm. shit! And this is the first indication to the scene of like, this movie is very well written, mm. in my opinion. Like every line. Like I'm not a, a Shakespeare. I had never seen like you guys were talking about the like um, Kenneth Branagh version, mm-hmm. Henry the Fifth. Henry the Fifth. I'd never seen that, so I was kind of like trepidatious. Like, what am I getting into here with the script? What's this? What's this going to be like? Right. But I was really taken aback about how well it was written, yeah. having no background in any of this stuff. And I know it doesn't really track immediately so closely to it, but I thought it was pretty pretty whip tight. Yeah, I think it's I think it's economical. I think they do a good job. I mean, it's it's a really weird thing to like sort of especially because like this also involves I mean, it's not just adapted from Shakespeare, but like this it also includes like one of the most famous speeches in Shakespeare, the St. Crispin's Day speech, which like they don't do obviously because they're not doing Shakespeare, but they have to like in, interpret in some way. And Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. Oh. 
We few. We happy few. We band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. Yeah. And gentlemen in England, now abed, shall think themselves accursed they were not here. And hold their manhoods cheap, whilst any speaks that thought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. Yeah, man. They really get into that. That's like, that is like, uh, they love that shit. <laughs> Shakespeare? You, that speech in particular is sort of for the Brits. Like, there's an Olivier yeah. production that was like during the war. And like, that was like, oh, like, you know, we're going to, oh, yeah. you know, we're going to make it because we, we've, we've been here before. <laughs> like, I don't know. They, they really feel it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like to do that, to do that speech or to do any of Shakespeare, but to not do it in Shakespeare is, is kind of wild. I liked it. Well, I would definitely just sidebar, hard recommend yeah. five banger um, Henry V by Kenneth Branagh in 1989. He sort of exploded onto the scene directing that film and the concept of saying, I'm going to make an entire Shakespeare play completely faithful to the Bard's words as a movie. Yeah. Um, and it plays as a play as well as, as a film. It's just really, really fantastic. So, yeah, he even included the dirty French scene yeah. in, in that. Yeah. So, uh, so Hal, you know, um, even though he's being passed over for Thomas, he shows up to enter, uh, basically to, um, to stop Percy, who Thomas has been sent to defeat. Hal tries to come in and say, listen, I will do single combat instead of this. Um, and Thomas is pissed because he's stealing his thunder, but then they have the combat. This combat scene was so awesome. The way that it conveyed how brutal the nature of combat was, just all grunting and punching and smashing and rolling um, until finally, you know, Hal is able to, to get his dagger through the guy's, you know, under his gorget or whatever uh, and finish him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I felt like the same way. I felt like nervous during that fight maybe for the first time seeing this kind of like old school battle with, you know, people in suits of armor doing like physical activity. Like I guess this is maybe like the most real version of that, that I can recall seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, and you felt like, you know, either one of them could have won the fight. Yeah. Like, is it like, is he, does he die here? Like, does he get it's maimed here? Movie. Cause he's not doing yeah. so hot. Right. And he like <laughs> turns it around. So in reality at this battle, uh, Hal was 16 years old and he took an arrow to the face. Um, but quote, the Royal physician treated the wound with honey to act as an antiseptic, crafted a tool to screw into the embedded arrowhead and thus extract it without doing further damage and flush the wound with alcohol. No problem. The operation was successful, but it left Henry with permanent scars, evidence of his experience in battle. Yeah, no problem. Bradmore recorded this account in Latin in his manuscript titled Philomena. Henry's treatment also appeared in an anonymous Middle English surgical treatise dated 1446. Jeez. That's a good, those are some good facts there. I like when we get the medical facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last week it was geological. Yeah. I, I just, this, this idea of pieces of history being put together. Somebody read that treatise of somebody being treated at a battle and was able to put that together with Harry and yeah. kind of lock it all up. That's super cool. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have one other note on the cinematography, which is just, I love how murky everything looks. Like all the shots in the castles are very dark and um, just kind of like the lighting is is kind of weird. Um, this cinematographer, also an Aussie. He also worked on the Macbeth production with Fassbender, the cinematographer did. Okay. I gotta, I gotta see that. I gotta, it seems like it would be great. Fassbender? Adam Arcapa is his name. So Adam Arcapa was also the DP on True Detective season three, yeah. which was marginal. Like, what? <laughs> it was marginal. Excuse me. I mean, True, True Detective season one is really good. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. Season two is trash. Season three is alright. Season two killed that show. Yeah. No one. I don't think anyone watched season three. Maybe besides like maybe you. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. It's like yeah, I mean, I loved season three. I thought I thought mm. Mahershala Ali was unbelievable in that. He's good. I, I the the mind sphere of season three is non-existent. <laughs> That's how we judge things now. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. If the Reddit isn't you know firing, then <laughs> the Reddit doesn't have more than a thousand people online at the same time. Then it's no one's talking about it. Yeah. All right. So. Um, Hal is summoned back home because the king is literally on his deathbed and he's summoned by the king's advisor, William, who as soon as I saw him, I was like, yes, Solomon Lane yeah. from Mission Impossible. He was great. Yeah, His, his, his voice is yeah. unsettling to me. This is the most I've heard him speak, I think, in a role. Yeah, what is that? And accent? I was starting to get a little graded by the like the the rasp of his voice. It's, it's, I can't think of another actor like that. He really does have a weird voice. What like I don't even know what that accent is. That I don't know if he's doing an accent or if that's just what he sounds like. But it's very like uh, civil strife has consumed us. War drains the purse like little else. You know, he sounds like he sounds like the elder mystic in the Dark Crystal who dies at the beginning. <laughs> uh, yeah, he sounds like that guy. He sounds like the mystic. Matt will put in a sample of the mystic talking to the Gelfling as he sends him out on his quest. And he's like, To save our world, Gelfling, you must find the shard. You must go and find the crystal shard. He talks exactly like that. (laughs) All right, so Hal goes back. He disses his dad on his deathbed. His dad dies right in front of him. But we'll talk about this in just a second. But to me, this is the beginning of Timothy really stepping in to, to own in this movie. Yeah. So he turns to the courtiers. He has tears coming down his face. And he says, You shall suffer the indignity of serving me. We would son you so revile. But know now you'll be watched over by an altogether different king. So talk your shit, you shitholes. <laughs> and then the hair, then the, you know, the beautiful hair goes away, and it's the and it's the the Henry haircut. Mm. Uh, it was a rough transition. It was. It still looks kind of like modern, though. Mm. He's. I still think it looked not as dated. Almost. I don't know. It's almost like they tried to have the best of both worlds with mm-hmm. that cut. Like who's giving him a tight fade in you know the four hundreds? It's true. I don't know what they had to use. Like a sheep had to like get you down to a zero. They didn't have <laughs> they didn't have guards. They just like put like some they put some clover on your head and let a bunny rabbit like gnaw it down to the root. Um, <laughs> I like his. I like that coronation scene though. Like where he's they're doing really cool. Just the anointing with oil and everything. I thought that was. Mm-hmm. I thought that looked really beautiful. 
they also had that. So they had the scene where he's getting presents, and so I loved, loved the um, presents. One of the presents he gets is a clockwork bird. Yeah, Slim, you were talking about the dialogue here. Um, William says, "Unnatural mechanics from the edge of Christendom." Yeah, I was like, "That is badass. That, that is, is just an amazing yeah. line of dialogue." I, I love their reaction to seeing that thing move too. Yeah, yeah. they were like shitting their pants big time. I also love that he's like, "Oh, I will give it to my good friend Cambridge, who I've known throughout my life, who will never do anything terrible to me at all." I was like, "Oh, that's not going to go <laughs> that's well." Right. That's not going to go well. That's right. Very economical. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the Dauphin sends him a tennis ball. Um, and so as as the insult. So there's this whole thing about how in this in this film version, Henry basically doesn't want to go to war. He just wants to like have everybody get along. He wants to end the Civil War and you know sort of pay ransoms and get people back to their lands and, and have everything settled. But France, he's told, sends an assassin. We have spies reaching out to Cambridge and everybody else. And so Henry has no choice but to execute them and declare war. Right. Yeah. The, if, if there's one of my main, main, main flaws of the movie is his character arc just shifts so drastically from the influence of others. Mm-hmm. Like, or he's just not, he's like a shell of himself or what you think of, of, of him to start the movie. Mm-hmm. Like he hates what his father has done, but he ends up just becoming exactly like his father in the span of, you know, an hour yeah. or less. I don't, you know, I'm sure longer periods of time have happened. Um, you know, and as you progress through the movie, he kind of realizes what happened, but I think maybe I just had trouble with the passage of time where he just like fell right into the same traps. Yeah. Mm. Like real quick. That's true. But it's at least pointed outwards, right? As opposed to like, theoretically his father was attacking their own subjects and, you know, other nobles and stuff, basically mistrusting everyone. I guess we just said he just killed his best friend and and multiple other nobles. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seemed like it was at least more directed uh, externally. I like that. I like Henry's whole vibe though. Like in terms of like why he doesn't want to go to war. Like he's basically just like, look, I just want to chill. I just want all of us just to chill. Like, let's just Mm -hmm. like all like just hang out and do whatever and like let's just let let the times be what they're gonna be and like he's just like super quiet about it and super like you know mellow and he just doesn't want anyone to fucking harsh his mellow and like people just won't stop fucking with him i right i i i, I think that's an interesting an interesting take mm-hmm. totally so um Henry, he's going to invade France. He needs Falstaff at his side. So he goes and gets Falstaff. And um, I love the notion that he's like a drunk and uh, this low repute guy and, uh, you know, slumming it in East Cheap. But everybody's heard of him. Yeah. And they know the service that he's done. And he has renown on the battlefield. To me, that was like a, I was not prepared for that. Um, And I I thought that was, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of bummed that he didn't, like I was bummed like Falstaff was like how he kind of just ditched him mm-hmm. for, you know, a long period of time. You would think that if he gets like called up to bat and become a king, he would bring his boy. He's with like two people for 23 hours of the day yeah. and he just like ditches them yeah. <laughs> for presumably forever. Yeah. Like why not call them up be like, Hey, what's up buddy? Or visit him at least once, but he presumably doesn't do that at all. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's much it's much worse treatment in Henry V and um, like Falstaff. The fact that Edgerton wrote the <laughs> wrote the script meant Falstaff did way better in this than he did in history or in Henry V. So I guess that's a win. Mm. 
uh, on that book. I guess in history too, like isn't Henry V like really a terrible human being? Like, uh, like in terms of like the starvation of like so many people. I think I, I read a little bit on the wiki about how maybe non-historically accurate this is. Oh yeah, for sure. Similar to the, the Shakespeare work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty fascinating too. I think the key difference for history, and I was sort of looking at it between Henry V and then history in terms of trying to analyze this. Um, in history, by the time he took the throne, he was already determined to get France. Um, and it was just a question of getting the pretense that they needed. And his father had already sort of queued all that up. So he, he stepped into it to, uh, to make it happen. Um, but I, I, I mean, from a story perspective, it certainly works better mm-hmm. him getting drawn, drawn into it. So we have these gorgeous shots. I love the shots on the boat, mm-hmm. just with the way it's, it's rocking was like so natural. They must have filmed that on some kind of uh, water or something. Those looked incredible. But then the shot of Henry landing in France and coming off the boat and walking onto the water, and then the construction, the A-team construction scene, and then the trebuchets that they built launching out. The shot of that thing swinging mm-hmm. was maybe one of the best shots of the entire year so far yeah. in any movie. Yeah. yeah, like that is that that is madness. Yeah. The nighttime shadow work that they did for that shot, gorgeous. Totally. That was another like that was like another like sort of Malick type scene where you can imagine like you know like in you know it's like the locusts coming in except it's like trebuchet like five you know flaming balls going into the castle. I love that. Oh, that looked dope. I could have watched trebuchets firing at night forever. I think mm-hmm. we're doing. I think we're doing Malik with Proto in like uh, September or something. Are we? I can't. I can't. I can't remember. Oh, but cool. I, I definitely have him queued up for his first movie, um, which is Malik. So ready to do it. Oh, Mama Mia! All right. So we do have. They're able to get the castle, and Henry is merciful to the conquered. Right. That's a. That's a big deal. He he does not um, have them tortured or killed or um, spoiled or whatever. So that that was good. And then the Dauphin arrives. So. Who wants to take a crack at Arpats first? Man, what what do you think Arpats? What do you think Ar? I mean, like my take on what Arpats was doing was an ancient vampire. Like I think he was doing the Volturi from the Twilight movies that he also was in, obviously. And he's just like, I mean, no, your balls must be big, no? Giant balls. <laughs> Giant balls. With the tiny cock. (laughs) (laughs) And the sound of your wives and children weeping shall lull me to sleep at night. Like he just like was just putting way too much mustard on the hot dog in that whole situation. It was aggressive. He did look like he belonged to interview with the vampire. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot. Or Twilight. Yeah, he looked more Twilight than he did in Twilight. Right. I, I, I was really taken aback by his performance in this. Like, I saw Good Time for the first time last year and mm. seen him in other stuff, but I think he has, like, a crazy range. Like, I was really impressed with him in this movie where he's he's in a bunch of movies now, you know, in the last... 10 years or 15 years and he's just doing some wild stuff. Yeah. He's not like playing it safe. He's really going out there. So when these two were facing off, um, I thought it was like magic to be honest, like seeing these two go at it. I, I really enjoyed it. Wow. 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 
So I, I will say the entire time I was watching Arpats, I could just only picture him doing like an impersonation of Proto. So <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that kind of threw me for, for a bit of a loop. I did focus more on Timothy's, like his response. He refused to be goaded. He just like took it straight up and did not give a shit. And I thought to me, that was part of the power of the performance that he was giving um, throughout this film. So I, I took it more from that than the other way. So you didn't like it. You didn't like our pats in this. Is that what you're saying? Is that you're dancing around the answer? I did not like our pats in this. <laughs> I, I, for me, it, it just basically didn't, it didn't work. Hmm. I thought it was like a mismatch too for the tone of the movie where it's like, it's the only like kind of overbroad performance in the whole movie. I mean, even Falstaff, which is like a notorious drunker, you know, jester like character, like is this very restrained, like tragic kind of quiet character. Uh, and then like in comes fucking like the king of like the vampire hairdos and is just like doing <laughs> like, you know, dick jokes or whatever. I don't know. My lack of awareness from the source material is maybe helping me a little bit more where I'm I'm fine with this kind of over the top villain yeah. Yeah. coming in and then being made to look the fool later in the movie. Once you once you meet the king of France, you kind of realize the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Like I don't know what's going on in France in the 15th century, but they seemed a bit Not good. they seemed a bit off. <laughs> so one of my favorite moments in the movie here is so uh our pats is going, you know, going way over the top. Timothy just taking it all in and everybody kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. And then Falstaff just lets out this huge yawn. Yeah, it was great. And it, mm -hmm. everybody is pulled up short, especially uh, the Dauphin. So I just love that, that moment of the tension there. Mm -hmm. So they're going to go to battle. Um, the Dauphin kills um, the luggage train and the boys that are, you know, the squires who are gathering um, wood in the forest, which is obviously a big no-no. Um, and so you have the moment where Henry orders, uh, Falstaff to kill all of the French prisoners that they've captured and he refuses. And I love that moment of the two of them, the tension. This is the first time Henry has ever had anyone, um, kind of just step up to him. And I thought that moment was magic. The first command I'll heed. The second... You'll have to carry out that mass execution yourself. What did you say to me? You are not that man. How dare you defy me? So you're feeling in here with me. Don't How let it out your first I'm the king. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it felt like finally me, the audience, getting a little bit of like reality check for Tim's character. Mm of the king like this isn't really you like when are you going to wake up and realize that like you're kind of getting a little super deep right now mm -hmm. and I, that's why i appreciate that scene it's got to be tough to not get caught up in that the divine yeah. right of kings like you're chosen by god based on your birth lineage and this is before the age of reason so they thought that shit was real yeah mm-hmm and that's why too later in the movie when you have the like proposed union mm -hmm. and uh, I can't remember that character's name. Catherine. Catherine kind of speaks truth to the king finally. Mm. Again, like someone else to kind of tell him like, you know, this forced union 
nothing good comes of this stuff. Like, wake up, moron. Like, she pretty much just calls him out and he's like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> you raise fine points. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was no assassin, mm. yeah. you dum-dum. And, he's, and then he just, like, doesn't say anything, walks away. Like, yeah, thank you. Talk some sense into this guy. <gasps> oh, man, that's hilarious. Uh, well, uh, so we are approaching, just before that, we're approaching the final uh, showdown and the Battle of Agincourt. So this is Henry marching across um, France and being met in the field of battle. And um, they're vastly outnumbered, at least five to one. And Falstaff proposes guerrilla warfare. Basically, if they don't meet them night for night, but they instead utilize the ground and the fact that it will be wet and muddy, um, then they can really make it work. And this was just a unbelievable, the scene of this. And Jason, you talked um, earlier about how sort of grounded this film is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched a behind the scenes with Joel and the director, David Michaud, and they talked about how they did everything. They shot literally everything at ground level, except for the one shot above where um, John is being crushed in the press of, of human bodies there. But all the rest of it was at, at just direct level so that you could have that complete weight of reality. Oh, interesting. Interesting. That was gorgeous. All of that was just gorgeous. Can you imagine a worse time to take a helmet off? Terrible. (laughs) Like, like what are you, what's your expectation there? Just instant Instant death. death. You're in the middle of like 400 people in battle and you're going to take off your metal helmet. Like, come on. Not a good time to have to pee either, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just be, I'm I'm coming, you guys. Just just, just just crawl your way out of there. Do anything else except for be here. Well, Joel did say that they wanted the conceit of being able to see Falstaff's face so mm-hmm. that you could track him through yeah, the battle yeah, as opposed to just having it be nothing. So mm. um, this is, to me was similar to um, you know, the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man. To have him always had his mask off. Yeah, well, in, uh, until there's a scene where he and uh, Willem Dafoe both have their masks on and it's two people wearing masks mm. talking to each other and right. you're like, this is, no, this does not mm-hmm. work. Um, figure out how to get those masks off. Or or like Tom Hardy in any movie he's ever been in. in the last. <laughs> That's right. Um, I also did like the idea of the English longbow as a weapon of destruction, like a significant advantage. That was pretty cool. Like they just figured out this thing and nobody else figured it out. Yeah, that was a big, that was a big, uh, big advantage for them for a long time. I think we talked about this on the DM thread, but there is a Warren Ellis uh, graphic novel called mm. uh, Cressy that is about a previous uh, battle in France hmm. of the English army in the 14th century and is about like the advantage of the English longbow against the French, hmm. which yeah, got them like a hundred years. I think we uh, skipped over the speech that yeah. Timothy does Please. to the troops. Yeah. All men are born to die. We know it. We carry it with us always. If your day be today, so be it. Mine will be tomorrow. Or mine today and yours tomorrow, it matters not. What matters is that you know in your hearts that today you are that kingdom united. You are England. Each and every one of you, England is you. And it is the space between you. Fight not for yourselves, fight for that space. Fill that space, make it tissue. Make it mass, make it impenetrable. Make it yours, make it England. Make it England. Holy cow. Like, I thought Chalmay is a really good mm-hmm. actor, but this is where it, like, 
say what you want about RPATS, like RPATS was like showing some range, but I felt like I've, you know, really saw something from Chalamet there that you can say is different than his like, you know, bubbly, goofy friend character that you see in other movies. Like there was some real stuff coming out of that scene there. I loved it. Yeah, I yes. agree. It was totally great. And, and like we covered earlier, like hard to do because it's like you're basically doing a gloss on like one of the most famous speeches in English literature. So. Mm-hmm. Slim, how'd you like the resolution with with the Dauphin? He's like, gets his armor ready. He's like, he swings the sword around. I, I did, I did like the the re- the ending of their kind of battle. Describe the scene for the for the audience. You know, he's getting in the ar- He's getting in, standing up and ready to to fight Timothy Chalamet. But he's got the full suit of armor on and it's muddy. And just like Falstaff said, you know, they're not going to be able to do battle with us sans armor like we're going to be nimble and ready to fight and he can't even stand in the mud yeah. he's falling <laughs> tripping and then uh timothy just gives a signal and like five guys descend you know, on kill him on our pats and they stab him to i death. do like the yeah. way that our pats like uh visor flips up though like when he like comes in and he, mm-hmm. he flips up his visor it's like oh he means business now he's, this is no more mm-hmm. like fucking goofy vampire shit like he's gonna like yeah. he's got like his serious <laughs> tactical armor on now but then he ate it him swinging that sword around too, I'd be crapping my yeah. pants if I was I- even standing in that yeah. mud. Yeah. I probably would have shot it a few more times because it did look kind of like he wasn't really slipping in that mud. He was yeah, just kind of like falling pants. in the mud, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe clean off that armor and do a few more yeah. takes. <laughs> Put our pets It's like, I don't have mud. that much time. Yeah. Uh, I, my theory at this point, he is, our pets is by far the biggest actor in this film, right? At this time, probably, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. In 2019, like Chalamet is, Chalamet is, he had Call Me By Your Name, so he had some yeah, critical yeah. success, but yeah. yeah. Mm. So I think he was like, I think we got it, guys. I, I, I got enough. I got enough. Blood. He probably was on set for half a day. <laughs> yeah. He did yeah. all his <laughs> scenes and he was probably off shooting what something else. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So uh, I, I do thought just stylistically, it's a super interesting choice to just make him fall. There's no reason why it couldn't have been a, a heroic battle and Henry beats him. And the idea that Henry doesn't even bother to kill him himself and just mm-hmm. has his guys do it. I think it was, was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I might have to rewatch Twilight. Uh, at some point soon. That's like a real, that's a real <laughs> pleasure for me. Those that, those movies. Listen to the Patreon exclusive another, seventy millimeter episode. Another, yeah, another exclusive oh, episode great. that we did. It's one this, of the best. The, it's a it's the a running episode. special effects in Twilight is some of the worst things I've ever yeah, seen. In a movie. It's not good. <laughs> I don't know who was in charge, but I hope they never work. I just again. like that house. I just like that Cullen house. I just need to see more of that. Oh, oh it's he nice. had all his records mm. in his bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, Henry did in fact have all the prisoners killed, all the French prisoners yeah. killed after the battle. Apparently he was told that, uh, there was fear that they, the army would regroup and that they were in trouble. And so he decided to do that. So that was his hardcore moment. Um, but we do have King Charles surrenders and Henry takes Catherine played by Lily Rose Depp. Mm, okay. Yeah. And I thought she was great. That's Lily mm-hmm. Rose Depp. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. All of it. like a lot's clicking into place for me now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go quick Google Lily Rose Depp. Well, it's, <laughs> it's obviously Johnny Depp's daughter. It is Johnny Depp's daughter. I don't know. I don't know who her mother is, but what's her face wrote? Vanessa Paradis. Uh, hmm. uh. Yeah, I like I like their conversation where he, you know, refuses to speak French mm. and only English, and then she, you know. 
unbeknownst to him, also can speak the language. Oh, and mm-hmm. she's French. Her mother is French. Interesting. Mm, that makes sense. She does not have a French accent in real life. That is, a, oh, that is a fake accent. Really? In 2016, she was in... Wait, are you sure this is her? Because it's not even credited. She is. I watched the Netflix behind the scenes. Wait a minute. These are all... Netflix she's film in, She's club. not in a ton. She's in The King and then... Oh, you're right. Sorry. I just didn't see it. Yeah. She's in yoga hosers. Uh, What is yoga? Oh, yeah. What is yoga hosers? That's Kevin Smith. That's Kevin Smith with his daughter, Harley Quinn. And uh, it's the the unofficial cinematic universe sequel to Tusk, which I also never saw. Oh, good Lord. All right. Stop this. This is all, this is all being deleted. (laughs) Delete this from the the episode. (laughs) She's the goddaughter of Marilyn Manson. Okay. This is now just a. this is now just a Lily Rose Depp podcast. That's right. Pivoting. That's right. Oh, she could be Aaliyah. She'd be good as Aaliyah. Yeah. There you go. Tie it right back in. So Harry goes to see William after Catherine sets him straight that he's been played. Uh, and he goes and, and basically calls William out, who just like denies everything and then eventually confesses. Um, that was one of the worst one of the most upsetting stabbing scenes I've ever seen where yeah. he just stabbed him in the top of the head. Yeah. That was not nice. I, I had questions about like, I don't need, I don't know if you're the King, even if you can just like stab like a, a, a nobleman in the head. Like, I don't think that works. I think you got I think you need a little bit more due process. Like you can definitely get him killed, but like, I don't think you can just like, while he's getting fitted for a soup, talking about a sheep, like bend him over and stab him in the head. That's my, that's my feeling about that. <laughs> while the, while the, uh, the measuring kid is standing over there by the, by the step stool. Yeah. I could have done, I could have done without the stabbing happening, happening on screen. There was a yeah. few like kind of gross out CGI stabs yeah. that took place, which I guess to show the brutality and stuff. But uh-huh. yeah, I thought that was a weird, that was a slightly weird choice, but I, I just, I loved him all the way through the revelation of like, well, how many lands did you just get in that invasion of France? And it's like, yeah, that mm-hmm. shit, it's about the money. That's, that's what's happening. He had maybe the worst attempt at lying yes. for being such a seasoned Yeah, liar. he's like, I don't remember. I like, don't remember. He <laughs> crumbled instantly oh, yeah. when Chalamet's like, hey, uh, where'd you meet that assassin? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Like, he couldn't have had any more, less skill at lying in any moment than I right there. I can't possibly remember where I met him. It could have been anywhere. Find the crystal yeah. shard. <laughs> he would have had maybe nine different potential scenarios he could have used yeah. to weasel out of off, that. And he had zero. Set. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the film ends with uh, Henry going back to Catherine and saying, I ask nothing of you. Only that you will always speak to me clear and true. Always. Will you promise me only that? I will. And you have the the chance. Smash cut to the credits. It just felt like the movie had to end at some point, and so they chose that point. I don't really get like that particular ending, like as a like a place for the movie to stop. But sure, mm-hmm. I, I was grateful it was over at that point too. I mean, I liked the movie, but it was like, come on. Gotta go. <laughs> well, the problem is he died of heat stroke two years later and never made it to Paris and never actually took the crown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. don't quite you don't quite get there, but it feels like a win. 
Yeah. Jason, what did we learn about Dune 2021? Well, I mean, this is definitely, this is, as you say at the beginning, this is probably the most applicable to Dune of any movie we've seen. Like the story of a boy who's, you know, kind of whiny and ends up uh, becoming a leader seems seems the most direct parallel. I, I, I continue to just, I, I think the journey that I've gone on from our first Chalamet movie to now is like, oh, this Chalamet guy has got some got some real chops. Like he seems easily mm. he's real watchable. Um, so I'm I, I continue to remain confident in the Chalamet as uh, Paul Moadib. I'm into it. Slim. I mean, I really enjoyed this. I was pretty surprised how much I enjoyed just the total package, like the the way it looked, the way it sounded, everyone's performances, the cast, mm. visually uh, electric. So I was really wowed by Chalamet. I mean, I loved him in Little Women, and um, I, th- I thought he really showed some special stuff in this movie. So I'm looking forward to to seeing Dune. Hopefully, remaining on my couch and not <laughs> having to be forced into a theater like a schlub yeah. like Denny wants. Yeah. Jason, uh, do you recommend that Slim invite his dear wife to watch Call Me by Your Name? Yeah, of course. Movie. Yeah, that's a good that's a good date night movie. You'll, you'll discover something about love. I'm always looking to discover something new about love. And parenting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought this movie was was really good. I, I definitely enjoyed it. I thought it was beautiful. I thought the performances were very good. And I really, to me, he wasn't whiny in the same way that I don't think Paul was whiny. He was a drunk and partying with Falstaff because he politically disagreed with his father. And in reality, he actually went with the previous king for part of his childhood and part of his youth. Um, So it's not that he was totally out of sorts. And I I like the fact that they made him politically aware of what was going on the whole time, but he had a different view. Um, And so I thought he had a strong presence from the beginning that just got stronger um, as it went. And I like the idea of him being noble um, and trying to do the right thing um, and strengthen England through the midst of it. So um, I like that as a sort of parallel for for what Dune is doing. Hmm. Who would Tilda Swinton play? Jason. I would try Tilda Swinton as the Dauphin. I think that would be a good, I think that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Um, like, I think she would do something that was a little more like in line with the spirit of the movie. I think I would also do Tilda Swinton as Falstaff. Um, I think it would mm. be, I think it would be pretty good. Either one. Nice. Slim. I would probably do King Henry. Yeah. Star of the movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Tilda could totally carry this movie on her own. Have you watched Orlando? Orlando was almost an episode of 70 millimeter. Proto had that as a potential choice just based on poster alone. But he found out that it was looked. too good. He's like, this is, this movie <laughs> is not a no, one star. This was during, I, I think this was during our female directors mm. pick where we all had potential options from three different female directors and mm. Proto's, Danny ended up winning. So that's why Orlando didn't get mm. picked. Mm. Still want to see it though. Yeah. Orlando's great. Uh, I would put her as the archbishop. I like that. It's just a small role for her oh, this time yeah. for me, but mm-hmm. I would love to see her as this kind of like scheming and driving. I love the fact that 
that the archbishop was kind of driving everything and he was the only one that was being carried in a box while everybody was either walking or, or riding their mm -hmm. horse. And um, so I would love to see The that. lisp was ridiculous though. The archbishop lisp was like- <laughs> Oh, sure. Under Thalic law, Francia <laughs> cannot possess the throne. It's like, oh my God, what are we doing here? Is this like the princess bride wedding? Or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it reminded me of too. Uh, Mowage. <laughs> All right, let's get to our letters and voicemails. So uh, we have a couple of letters and a couple of voicemails. I also have a letter. Oh, you do? <gasps> yeah. My word. All right. Well, I'll let you go. I'll let you go third. Okay, great. Uh, so the first one is from Nick Danaberger. Nick, thank you for writing. Love listening to the pod. I can't believe it took until my 37th year on planet Earth to discover Dune. Thanks and looking forward to all of your Dune insight. All right. That's great. Welcome, Nick. Welcome, Nick. Nice. Yeah. nice. Always love to hear folks coming. Yeah. All right. Second one is from friend of the show, Bryce Kelly. Oh, Bryce Kelly. Yes. And Bryce says, perfect speed. Hello, Dune pod and Dune pops. Not Dune. sure if that's the agreed upon term for now. Dune Pod listeners. What's I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Just giving it a test drive. Please provide correct term or feedback. I'm going to say no on Dune Peeps, but we'll figure it out. Dune Peeps? Dune Apodes. I don't know. Yeah, we can just say the tribe as well. That's just for the Jewish Dune Pod listeners. Uh, I just have a bunch of small feedback from the Greatest Showman episode. One, I wasn't able to locate the Dune show tunes by Goldman. Not sure how busy Jason's brother is, but sounds like a great bonus episode to have Matt yeah. facilitating a discussion on what's wrong with Jason's list in the show tunes sense. That's good. He has a lot of notes. Coming soon? Yeah, we can do it. I'm, we can get my brother on the blower and see. Uh, he'll give you some detailed musical reviews. <laughs> he'll, he might perform some songs too. Who knows? We got to start right. Yeah, you got to give me your brother's number so we yeah. can start collaborating. Uh, two, I noticed the without further ado modification at the beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. And I definitely asked myself if that was something that you always did. Nice Easter egg, dorks. <laughs> but also, I love things like this. <laughs> oh, man. Three, it's a widely known open secret that Dune Pod is in the pocket of big podcasting and their 3X play speed agenda. But I found the anti jock rock bit with Miss Sarah Chips disgusting. How's a person going to make it through uh, the dreaded mile for listening to Obama's anecdotes on the White House? Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. That's fair. Four, I've skipped viewing the last two episodes' source content, i.e. the Sci-Fi Dune and Rodgers and Hammerstein's Wolverine, but I'm super excited about the King and Polytechnic. Yeah, you don't need to watch the movies. We'll, we got you covered. You don't. This should not be homework. Just listen to Dune Pod. Oh, yeah. For, you don't need to watch. Definitely don't need to watch The Greatest Showman. No one should have done that. But like, you know, <laughs> it's fine. Did you watch it, Slim? No, I've never seen The Greatest Showman. But you love Hugh. No. I enjoy Hugh as my sweet boy Logan. Yeah. Amazing film. Yes. If you if you if you watch The Greatest Showman imagining that at any moment he's just gonna like, you know, bring out the claws, it's a great, it's a great movie. <laughs> Love it. Uh, hope you are all doing well. It's been great to have you back for season three. Love from Singapore, Bryce. P.S. The cattiness on the sci-fi series was laugh short funny. That's great. Love, love Bryce. Awesome. Bryce is the best. Thank Thank you, Bryce. Wish you well in the Lion City. I also wondered how come uh, Stay Dooned wasn't 
used historically on this show when I when I heard it during the Greatest Showman episode. Yeah. Literally never occurred to me. Yeah. So, so good to know. All right, go ahead, Jason. All right. Dune, 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 Dune all my Dune, this is a, this is a short letter. Uh, this letter uh, slash question comes from uh, Ooh. A Shark Tank Shark, uh, Chris Saka. Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, and he asks, uh, describe the listeners who, when asked for their pa- favorite podcast, would say, would say Dune Pod. Uh, so yeah. Who who are the who are the Dune the Dune? Uh, and I asked I asked Chris if he had any relationship with Dune, um, the source material, uh, like mm. either the movie or the book. And he said no, uh, but that he does like Sting. Uh, so he has he has no he has no interest in Dune. Yeah, we can help him, is what you're saying. Well, that's where I would start my answer about like who are the listeners who would say that this is their favorite podcast. You do not have. I would not say you have to be a huge Dune fanatic in order to say that Dune Pod um, is your favorite podcast. I think you just have to be um, uh, interested in the reign of the Emperor Shaddam IV. No, I you know, you just get, you know, you're just going to be interested in good, uh, good and bad movies. That's it. Anything. Yeah. We had a review uh, that said great and not just for Dune fans says, imagine the odd couple nerding out on books and movies. Um, and from my perspective, I love the idea. If you love Dune, obviously Dune News and some of the other stuff we nerd out is going to be really good. But we're picking really, really fantastic movies to talk about. And we've got a lot of stuff to say about them. And we have hmm. a really diverse group of people that are coming on to talk. Um, so I think it's definitely worth definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the question, Chris. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. I actually have a voicemail too. Why you mention that? No, actually, I was DMing someone. I do want to share <laughs> one quote. I didn't share it during the discussion for the king because I wasn't sure if he was going to send a, a VM. But Art, who uh, is a friend of ours, a uh, learned movie fan, the to bring back to our Pats and Tim. Well, before you tell me what Art said in the DM, let me read you the letter that just came in hot off the wire tonight. Check oh. this out. And you can let me know if that if that matches in. Wow. Letter for the King. Hello there, H, Jason, and guest host and podcast legend, Slim. (sighs) Wow. Looking forward to hearing you discuss the King. The film really cast a spell on me last year, both visually and narratively. I had huge respect for the ambition to consolidate multiple epic plays into a single compelling two and a half hour movie. The writing feat impressed me. How about that nighttime catapult siege Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where they firebomb the castle? What an incredible sequence. Most movies would amp up an action soundtrack here and give us fast edited scenes of mayhem. Instead, these filmmakers portray it quietly with lingering, beautiful shots and a subtle soundtrack. Love this choice. Mm. Mm. This cast is great. Tell you what, when they put Chalamet in full armor, I thought he would collapse to the ground and flounder (laughs) like Randy in A Christmas Story. (laughs) But our boy holds his own and actually manages to sell being a fearsome warrior. Word on the street is that kids today consider the Chalamet Pattinson showdown to be the De Niro Pacino in heat matchup for a new generation. Mm. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Yes. And I 100% agree. Oh my with God. I like it. I like it. A new generation. I like it because it kind of feels like um, 
it kind of feels like heat slander to me, which I'm into. Uh, <laughs> what? I, you don't like heat? I'm like, I'm, I'm okay with heat. I actually haven't seen it in a long time. But like in general, I think like the reverence that folks have for the Al Pacino, uh, uh, now, what's the other guy named? De Niro? I think, De Niro. I think there's just way, too, it's just way too much. Like, the other there's guy. Way too that, much. Was a, that was a very subtle passive aggression yeah, towards it's really De Niro just fans. My... I picked up on that very quickly. <laughs> Don't think that didn't go unnoticed. I'd like to, I'd like to rewatch I, I agree heat. that the hype for Heat is through the roof. Like it's mega hype. Everyone yeah. loses their ass over yeah. Heat. But I watched it recently, maybe last year, and it was tremendous. I, I'd like to re, I'd like to rewatch it. I watched it because I used to listen to this uh, podcast called Paper Keg, and mm. they had they had promised to cover Heat on the pod. <laughs> Um, as episode 300 and it, it didn't happen unfortunately I don't think I ever promised that I think maybe some people read between the lines and inferred their own promises they wanted to hear through their own lines like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well I will say it uh, Pacino is pretty terrible like he's yeah, just not a great actor at bad. that point in his I mean yes, when was he good no no come on Jason um, you talk about slander yeah come on was it, right did he make a good movie Godfather? Carlito's Way? Ever heard of it? Yeah. Serpico? Cruising? <laughs> Cruising? The list goes on. <laughs> Cruising is your choice. I don't know. I've never seen it. Didn't Dog you just Day watch that? Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, yeah. I've seen, I've seen Cruising. Yeah. yeah, Dog Day is great. Insomnia? Directed by the name of Christopher Nolan. Ever heard of him? No, mm. I think it was over by then. Mm. I think he was I think he was done. Devil's Advocate, <laughs> I think, is where he really peaked. Devil's Advocate is a trash oh, movie. Keanu Reeves puts out one of the worst <laughs> accents in the history of film. Yeah. He, he is battling with our pats That's for worst accents. That's a tough ride. <laughs> All right, back to the letter. Rated this four and a half stars on first watch. In hindsight, maybe that's a tad generous, but still, this is easily four stars, at least for me. Four banger. Welcome back from the season break. I always look forward to new episodes, so it's nice to have you back in action. Be safe, gents. Cheers. Your pal, Art. That's great. All art. Mysterious art. It's funny. He DM'd me uh, right after I liked his The King review on Letterboxd, mm. and I joked with him and DM that that's kind of like a sneaky way to know when someone just finished a movie mm -hmm. or like you can expect to see a review from that person coming soon. So that was fun. Amazing. Yeah, Art, we love you. Hey, listen, thank you to everybody uh, who wrote. We really enjoy great. your letters. It it just makes uh, it, it makes it really special for us. So let's uh, just hit uh, two voicemails oh uh, before we head off into this good night. Oh, Doom Pod, this is Corey. Sorry, my week has been really nuts, and I'm dropping the ball, calling you guys. I hope I get this in under the wire. Um, I'm just literally sitting down now after work. I was going to start the King which reminded me to call you guys because you guys have already watched it, so I'm way behind. <laughs> but I was thinking about how much I didn't really care about Robert Pattinson until Good Time by the Safties, and then, of course, The Lighthouse, which is a phenomenal <sighs> picture. So obviously, our past just totally uh, shot up in my um, wanting to watch films that he's in, uh, not the Twilight movies, because... <sighs> Anyway, um, well, I'm really curious to hear what y'all have to say about the king, and hopefully, I get to watch it tonight before I hear y'all's pod. So, uh, sorry, sorry, I'm dropping the ball. Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Bye. Corey, greater than every other friend of the pod, yeah. and apologizing. Corey, you got nothing to apologize for. We love you. Thank you so much. The most favored nation oh. of Dune. I was hoping he had watched it and then could settle the debate it, on whether or not our pass was good in this movie or not. And I was hoping he would take my side, but 
So I watched Good Time and uh, Lighthouse basically back to back last year and was completely blown away by his performances in those. Just really fantastic. If anybody hasn't seen those films, definitely check them out. All right, last voicemail. This may surprise you. Hey, Dune Pod. It's Pret Alexis. I saw The King back in 2019 when it came out, but I can't say I remember too much about it. All I really, really remember is uh, Robert Pattinson uh, losing to a, a pile of mud. And uh, my one gripe was that I feel like it didn't feel big enough or real enough, like the army, uh, them moving around. It all just felt kind of small on the small scale. And maybe that's how it was back then. Who can say? I just didn't totally buy that aspect of the movie. Uh, I did enjoy uh, Robbie Patty's performance. Uh, mm. I don't really remember much of Timothy Chalamet. Maybe average, average performance. You know, average actor, average performance. Uh, <laughs> and that's really all I can think of. But uh, look forward to listening to this episode. Love you. Bye. Amazing. It's great. That's great. I always get Spiritual to hear from that. advisor speaks. Yeah. That sounds like it was coming straight from that Predilexus bathroom. <laughs> I, I can feel like I could recognize that echo a mile away. <laughs> well, so I was going to ask, uh, you know, what his rating was for this film. But um, Slim, can you just take a moment to explain what you guys are doing on 70 millimeter and what Protolexis just rolled out last week with V'ger just briefly for, oh, so yeah. that folks can understand what you're up to over there? Well, yeah, we started a uh, 70 millimeter because we loved using letterboxed social media site for movie lovers. Um, so we log our reviews, we rate movies that we've seen. We kind of, you know, comment on each other's reviews. It's fun to watch movies and, and have fun and make new friends on there. So we started the podcast as a way to kind of like extend us talking about movies and Danny who has been on the show before uh, during the rogue one episode, I believe mm. he's an accomplished artist and produces some beautiful pieces of art for every episode coming soon to Nausicaa on Dune pod. Oh, mm. the real Dune movie mm. right there. If I may be so bold. <laughs> and um, so Danny produces some great art for the show. We have fun. The three of us, we have very diverse perspectives, similar to you both on this show. Um, you know, movies that I would rate five stars. Proto Lexus has easily given a one star garbanzo bean. And, uh, so it's fun to have different perspectives, but we've also developed a really cool community of people looking for an outlet to talk about movies on discord with our Patreon. So we have been meeting new people, you know, having fun talking about movies on discord during the day. Um, and Proto has, uh, built this tool called V'ger which kind of like collects all the movie reviews from patrons on this website uh, on 70mmpod.com. There's a link to it, and it's a fun way to kind of see the pulse of the village, the VHS villagers, we call them, for like when when we uh, are about to talk about a movie. So we have, you know, we can see what movie's coming up for our next episode and see kind of like, you know, what people are rating it. So Robocop, as of today, is our next episode. So the ratings across the patrons are kind of high, but Mm. probably my favorite feature is, you know, we use Letterboxd enough where we add movies to our watch list. You know, I want to watch this at some point in the future, but Proto built a tool where you punch in your username and you can do like watch list roulette and the tool will just choose a movie from your watch list that'll say like, watch this next. So it can be kind of daunting to go through a heavy watch list and not figure out what you want to watch. So 
props to Proto and maybe he can talk a bit about it when he's when he's on next. But um but yeah, props to Proto for building this tool. We're having a lot of fun on there. And um the next episode we're doing is the start of Faves Month, and I chose Robocop because that's one of my all time favorite movies. And I saw Danny's art already for it and it's jaw dropping. Mm. So I'm pretty pumped. In confidence, will you go ahead and we'll, we'll hold on, we'll embargo it because we don't launch until next Monday. Can you reveal what next week's episode is after Robocop? Because we'll, we'll, uh, we'll launch after you guys launch. I don't know. That's a, that's a daunting task. It's Danny's pick. I'll, I'll hold. I'll, I, I, if you, <laughs> I'll hold. If it, Danny's all-time favorite movie, we've talked about it on the show already, but he has said that he wouldn't do this movie oh, unless- Rocketeer? you know. I did the Robocop, yeah. so he chose the Rocketeer. Okay. Uh, as far as I'm aware, unless he's going to pull a fast one on us. You seen that, Jason? I have. Not since it Great came movie. out, but. Neither have I. I don't think I've seen it since it was on like TBS, yeah. you know, afternoon showing. Hopefully it still holds up for Danny's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I had the, I had the Dave, or is it? Dave Stewart. Yeah. Dave Stewart. Graphic novel graphic novel it was like really large it's not like mm -hmm. comic size it's like almost magazine mm -hmm. size i think my dad bought it but i remember his girlfriend in that book being scantily clad in that graphic novel you know it's kind of like pinup-esque drawings sure. like old school but those were my early memories of the rocketeer was the comic book mm -hmm. and you know that stuff didn't really happen in the movie so it was a bummer the day you became a man reading that comic. it could have been looking back on that time frame jason what was the day you became a man from reading our well, I, you know, I was bar mitzvah, so that was probably. <laughs> <laughs> you were not reading a comic in the back no, room of your bar I read mitzvah. from the Torah, yeah, the not a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> Warren Ellis's The Torah. Yeah, Warren Ellis's novel. The Torah. The illustrations are amazing. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Dune Pod. I want to thank Jason and Slim for a really fun conversation. Next week, Denny Villeneuve's first feature film, Polytechnique, streaming now on Prime Video and Tubi. We hope you'll watch along with us. If you're enjoying this podcast, follow us at DunePod on Instagram and Twitter and share our social media posts as it really helps new listeners find the show. DunePod is a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher and our theme music was composed by Toby Forsman of Whipsong Music. The episode was produced and edited by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week.